the Lord, everyone. How's everyone doing today? Great. Well, we're glad to be back here again from Apostolic Tabernacle over here in Jonesboro. And our pastor is Pastor Talmadge French, and our assistant pastor is Brother Ryan French. And we're glad to be here to represent the church and represent Christ and to speak to you, to sing songs, to pray with you, and invite the presence of God here with us today. I'm going to get right on into my message, and the title is, What is Truth? What is truth? Truth is honesty, actuality, correctness, accuracy, exact, factual. It is the real state of things, the body of real events or facts. A true or accepted statement or proposition, agreement with fact or reality. What is a lie? A lie is the complete opposite of everything that truth stands for. A lie is something that is false but conveyed to others to appear to be truth, more or less a deception. To attempt to convince others that that is the truth, but yet it's still a lie. A lie is dishonesty. A lie is something that is intentionally made to deceive others to falsify information. John 14 and 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That was the words of Jesus. Jesus is truth. Through him our sins are forgiven and washed away in baptism. Through Jesus we are reconciled unto the Father of all creation. Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 verses 14 through 16 and 20 and 21. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath been reconciled. Notice again what it says in verse 20. Through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Do you know that you're a creation of God? Do you know that God created you? Do you know that God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb? He knew what your life was going to be like. He knew what you were going to do in life. And as well as me, he knows everything I've done in my past. However, when you go down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ to wash away those sins, he casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. And if you don't never rehash someone else's sins, he'll never rehash up yours. Because I've got a lot of sins that I did before I was baptized. I've got things that I would to God I'd never done. But I did them because I was a sinner, living life as a sinner. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4. Who will have all men, which is humanity, to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? 
God wants to save all of humanity. He don't want to save just you or you and me and not you and not you or not me. He wants to save everybody. But he's got a plan. He's got a way that, that he wants that to be uh, fulfilled. He, that's the way he wants to do it. That's why he died on that cross. But due to the fact that all of humanity was born into sin, and it doesn't matter if you think you're perfect and you've never sinned, because I know you don't. But some people think that they are. We were all born into it. And let's say even if you've never sinned and did anything wrong in your life, you were born into sin. You've got that nature of sin in you that was passed down from Adam and Eve. So unfortunately, even if you never did sin, which we all have, you still were born into that nature of sin. God will allow humanity to live their lives on this earth just the way you want to live it. Did you know that's what God has given us? It's called the power of choice. You can choose to do anything you want to do in this world. You can. God won't stop you. He won't stop you. That's why. Now you know what? That's why a lot of people say, well, if there was a God, why would he allow little children to get molested and abused? Why would he allow people over here to get killed? Why would he allow uh, sin uh, to uh, bring forth diseases and things and people die? Why does he let that happen? That's what a lot of people say because they don't understand God. Sin is like a barrier between us and God. And we cry out to God and he will hear us through that barrier of sin. But it doesn't matter. He still stands back and allows the world to do what they want to do. He allows us to say what we want to say, think what we want to think, do, go wherever we want to go, and do whatever we want to do. If you want to put something illegal into your body and become addicted to it, he'll let you do it. He'll even let you do, uh, drink, drink the alcohol that, can, that may be legal by man's eyes, but yet it's still detrimental and destroying the body. But he'll let you drink it. He'll let you become addicted to that stuff. And people wonder, well, what is all this? Why that? Why that? It's because of sin. And it's because God gave man the free power of choice to make their own decisions. Some decisions we make are good decisions. And the Bible says that everything good, and I paraphrase it, everything good comes from God. The thoughts you have in your mind, the words you say, if you hug somebody's neck, you say, I love you. That's God working through you. But if you're hateful, you have this old bad spirit, and nobody can reach you, that's certainly ain't from God. That's from the God of this world, the influence of evil in this world. See, there's an influence of good, and then there's an influence of evil. What are you going to yield yourself to? What am I going to yield myself to? Just because I'm a Christian man, Preaching the word of God here every month just because I go to church. Just because my good church family here comes with us. We're not on a pedestal. We haven't put ourselves and elevated ourselves above anybody else. We don't think we're better than anybody else on the street. We don't think we're better than y'all. We choose to live this Christian life. We choose to allow God to work on us from the inside. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Because of the power of God that works in our lives. Because of the cleansing blood of Jesus. Because of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. 
And what are we talking about today? We're talking about truth. But in the choices that we do make as human beings, those choices will determine as to whether we will spend our eternity in heaven with Jesus or whether we will spend our eternity in hell with Satan and the fallen angels and demons and other people that went to hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can you imagine somebody coming up and eating and gnashing on you with their teeth? Just think about how it would hurt on your body. But the choice is up to you. It's up to me. Living a life without God in it, from sinning, carousing, fornications, living for the moment, partying in excess, focusing on materialistic wealth, the destiny of our soul and spirit, not regarding God as the eternal creator and savior of mankind, reflects the choice made by each individual. And their ultimate destination is death. And eternal death. But God has provided a way out for us from eternal death and the flames of hell. It's called the salvation through Jesus Christ the righteous. But in verse 1, Timothy 2 and 4, it stated that God would have all men to come to the knowledge of truth. Even Pilate, when Jesus was being scourged before Pilate, he even asked Jesus, he says, what is truth? And that was in John 18 and 38. The truth is something, the truth of something can only be established as truth because there is a counterpart of, of falseness or no, not truth. That counterpart is a false sense of truth. It's something that's been deviated to the point that it appears to be a truth, but it really isn't. Paul wrote. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I marvel that you so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Why did Paul write those verses? Why did Paul say that if, any, if an angel even come and preach something unto you differently than what we preach, let him be accursed? The reason he wrote that is because the truth of the word of God began to be changed and manipulated back as, as, as long ago as 325 A.D. They took the Word of God and twisted it around enough to make it what they wanted it to be. And they took that truth and turned it into a falseness. But even today in our modern time, there are many false doctrines that are preached right out and taught out of the very Word of God. The Holy Bible that shows us the truth and the word and the truth of the salvation plan also gets taught things that are not in it. Or Satan takes the very words of God and twists them around enough in people's minds that they think what they're reading right there in front of them 
It's what this man over here is teaching when it's not true. But God is a perfect God without flaws, without failures, without confusion. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. God designed His plan of salvation in one way only. This one way began in the book of Acts, chapter 2. When Peter and all of the disciples, and guess who else was there on the day of Pentecost? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was chosen to be the vessel that God would use to create that body of Jesus Christ to walk on this earth. Mary was not perfect and without sin either. No one really knows how old she was when she conceived child of the Holy Ghost. Some people say it could have been as early as young as 12 years old, but we don't really know. But Mary was born into sin just like we were. And Jesus, the Holy God, did not exempt Mary from having to receive the Holy Ghost and did not exempt her from being baptized in her own son's name in the water so that she may have the same salvation. Now think about it. What if Mary had not had been there that day? What if she had not received the Holy Ghost and not been baptized in Jesus' name? And what if she died and never did? Just because Mary gave forth the body of Jesus Christ, that didn't mean that she was saved. Like I said, there is a plan. There is one mode, one way of salvation, and that's what I'm getting on to now. But before Jesus was born and began his ministry, and then he died on the cross and resurrected and ascended into heaven, God, the Spirit, under a different dispensation, saved people differently than after, after the cross. So if you've got the cross here in the, in the frame of time, all the way back to Adam and Eve, there was a way that God saved people. There was a way that they had their salvation. Differently than from the cross forward to where we are now. Those time frames are called dispensations. The way God dealt with man in different time frames of, 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 uh, of eternity. But all through time, God set from Adam and Eve all the way up. A plan was set in motion. Pointing to the cross. Pointing from their, their, their past and their future to see the cross some thousands of years later. On to the day when God himself would be manifested in the flesh as a man. And then he would die on that cross for our sins. And we then will reveal the name of God for salvation, which is Jesus Christ. That is a truth. Because until Jesus came on the scene and became active in his ministry, we did not know the name for salvation of God. They called him Yahweh, Jehovah, other names, you know, in the Old Testament, the I Am. But none of those names were in that form your name for salvation. It was brought to the fact of the cross. And that this man, this carpenter, that his, his uh, earthly father was Joseph, and they were carpenters. And that a lot of people looked and said, well, who is he? Isn't that Jesus? 
Joseph and Mary's son? Who does he think he is? That's just like, that's just like, what if it, you know, this is an example. What if I found out and I, that, that I was Jesus? What if I found out and Jesus hadn't come 2,000 years ago and then, I re- and then he opened up my eyes and said, I'm Jesus. I'm your Savior. And people said, who is he? That's just Daryl from church. That's just my brother that used to play in a rock band. You see the real, what I'm saying? They didn't believe him. A lot of them didn't believe who he was. Even after the miracles he did. Even after he turned the water into wine. Even after he opened up blinded eyes and deaf ears. And restored limbs and, and restored people from leprosy. There was a lot that believed on him. Because somewhere along in the Word of God or in, in, in history, it was stated that there was about 500 people there at the day of Pentecost, and then it dwindled down to 120. Just 120. So who were who? So we know there was about 12. Well, we know there was 11 disciples after Judas uh, had gone and hung himself. We know Mary was there. So that's 12 people. All right. Then we know that probably. Uh, 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 Mary Magdalene was probably there. There were some other people there. Okay, so who was the rest of them that made up the 120? People that believed. People that even in the week earlier on, the, on, the, on Palm Sunday, when they were waving, Hosanna to God, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then some the week later brought forth and said, crucify him, crucify him. But those 120 were the ones that continued to believe on, on Palm Sunday. And then a week later, when he did go to the cross, they still believed that he was God Almighty. But God's salvation plan was implemented after the cross. It started on the day of Pentecost when the disciples and Mary were all in the upper room. Now, the Word of God was inspired through holy men. God inspired holy men of the day and time to write down the words of the Bible. And it has been checked and rechecked and checked and checked and checked. And it is as accurate as it will be. But the Word of God itself is a complete truth of God. The Bible says that God cannot lie. That's the one thing I've read in my Bible, the King James Version that I have, that says that where God cannot do something. He cannot lie. This is another truth. What are we talking about today? We're talking about truth. Not some false doctrine that's preached out of the same Bible, which there's too many churches out there doing that. And we better probably get up closer to that a little later. But there are churches that are preaching stuff that is not true. But you go back and pull it out and say, can you show me that in the word of God? Show me what you just said was salvation. They can't do it. A lot of people are listening and following along with the preachers and listening to what they say and not searching it out for themselves. If I come up here and tell you something that I can't back up with the Bible, then you don't need to listen to me. But I won't do that. But the Bible says that God cannot lie. So if he tells you something, if he actually tells you something in the word, you can bank on it. If you pray and he, and he tells you something in your prayers, 
You can bank on it, it's going to happen. I'll give you an example. I've told you all many times about this hissing going on in my ears. But one day about three years ago, as I was out on my driveway in the summertime, there was no lightning that night, nothing. No lightning whatsoever. So I have a telephone pole down at the corner of my yard. And I, I use that and I split the sky and I said, Lord, if you're going to heal my ears, let it lighten one time on this side of that telephone pole. All of a sudden I'm standing there looking at it just lightened. It did. And then I said, God, you're a God of confirmation. And I said, because when Gideon put forth a fleece before you and asked you to let the dew be under this blanket the next morning and around it that it would be dry and then the following day let it be wet all around here and the dew not, and be, not be under the blanket. God did it and confirmed himself. So when he lightened it, made it lightning on the left side of that telephone pole, I said, God, you're a God of confirmation. And I said, confirm yourself by lightning, letting it lighten one time on the right side of this telephone pole. And I stood there in less than a minute. It goes, boom. No thunder, just lightning. And it didn't lighten no more that night. Not a bit. So God spoke to me. He told me he's going to heal my ears. When? I don't know. But I'm tying that in with this message here. God cannot lie. And that is the truth. But throughout the history of mankind, and especially after the cross, this is what we know presently know as the church age. We're in the church age. Until the rapture takes place, we're in what's considered the church age. Many people have watered down God's word over the last 2,000 years and falsified the perfect plan of salvation. And they've lessened, decreased the lesson of the, the requirements that God had given us from his word. And this falsifying of his truth has led to confusion as to what is really required for salvation. But the Bible clearly gives us the true plan of salvation. And that salvation plan is that we are to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and when we receive it, we're going to speak in tongues. But the disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus. He taught them many things and did miracles in their presence. They knew who Jesus was. They knew that he was God Almighty that had been manifested in the flesh. They knew he was the Son of God. The body of Jesus Christ was considered to be the Son. The body was the Son. The Spirit that was inside Him is the Spirit of eternal God. And the actual body was the Son. The Son had a beginning. God is eternal. He's never had a beginning nor never will have an end. God has always been. But that body, just like your body, you never existed until you were born. Your body did not exist until it was born out of your mother's womb. That's the same way that the body of Jesus Christ was. The actual body never existed anywhere in heaven, no matter what another false doctrine will tell you, that there was three persons up in heaven, the Father and the Holy Ghost and the, and the, and the Son. No. 
There is not a three-person trinity of God. God is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. One. And God in the Old Testament said, I will not share my glory with another. But then Jesus Christ came on the scene, and when he was talking, he said, You have glorified me, O Father. If he won't share his glory with any other, then he has to be the same God from the eternal spirit in the same body of flesh that was walking on the earth and did the miracles. In Matthew 28 and 19, this is the most, one of the most misunderstood verses in the whole word of God. But Jesus did not tell them to baptize just exactly that way of what he has said in that commandment, which I'm fixing to read. You've got to understand what he said and break down this verse and read it for what it says. But in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus was talking with his disciples probably just a few moments before he ascended into heaven. He had given them some final instructions and commissioned them to go into the world and spread the gospel. But one of his commandments was that they were to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Read it again. Listen to it. Baptize them in the name. What is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Jesus. Jesus. It's the actual name that is supposed to be applied there. But this is another false doctrine. This is what people have been doing for the last 2,000 years. Because through in history... Around 325 A.D., Constantine the Great, along with some things that him and his mother had formulated. I don't know enough of that history to really uh, to dig deep into this. I just know the stem of the surface of it, and I need to really study it. But until then, the, the church was baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. Just like they did on Acts 2.38 on the day of Pentecost. I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. But around 325 A.D., the Catholic Church began to formulate this Trinity belief. They took the name Father, Son, or the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and they turned it from one God and broke it up and, and, and caused people to believe that there was three separate persons up there in heaven. And they all were equal and all had equal power. That was false. The Bible doesn't tell us that there was three equal persons up there. But what Jesus was telling the disciples is that you baptize them in the name. The N-A-M-E name. Singular. One name. Have you ever known anybody named Father have you ever known anybody that their actual name, their given birth name was Father? You haven't. Have you ever heard or known of anybody's actual given name being called Son? 
Now, no, you can't say there's ever anybody named Holy Ghost. But what I'm going to do as an example is this. Have you ever known anybody with an actual name called brother? Called cousin? Called son? Called friend? Called employee? Have you ever known anybody with anything like that? You know why? Because those are titles. Those are what kind of relationships we are to different people. I am not... I am not your people's son. I am not your employer. I am not your cousin. I am your friend. I am your friend. My title to you is friend. You're not my father. You're my friend. But my name is not friend. Your name is not father. Your name is not cousin. You all have cousins. You all have aunts and uncles if they're still alive. You've all had people that has a title relationship to you. And you are a title relationship to someone else. That's what God is. God is the Father in, gen in creation. He created everything. Everything. He is the Son, the body, the Jesus Christ that was born through Mary. He is the Son for redemption, to redeem us from those sins. Only through that cross. And He is the Holy Ghost, which He fills us with, His Spirit. And when He fills us, we will speak in tongues. That's the only evidence the Bible tells us that we know we've received the Holy Ghost. Is we will speak in a language we've never learned. That's exactly right. But God has the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I have many different titles to people too. I'm not just one that one person. I'm not just a father. I'm a father. I have two children. I'm a husband. I've got a lot of titles, but I'm just one human being. Do you see three of me up here? Do you see me as a father, standing by me as a son, standing by me as a husband, standing by me as a cousin? No, you see just one person. And we were made in the likeness and the image of God. So therefore, if we're one human being, God is one God. And there again, I restate it again in Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One God. One Father of all who is through all in you all. But it's the actual name. And the reason I'm getting back to this is because I want you to understand. There are so many churches out here that will actually take somebody and baptize them. And this is what they'll say. This is wrong. I'm going to stand here and tell you. And I say it with love. But I say it with truth. This is what many, 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 many churches will baptize people and say. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But that is not the way it's supposed to be done. It's supposed to be, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. Who died on the cross for you? Who died on the cross? Was it Jesus the body? It was his name. That's how we get his name applied to our life is by the water baptism. We are dead and buried. We repent. We're dead and buried in the, in the water. And then we're resurrected in the newness of life. And many times people receive the Holy Ghost right then and there coming up out of the water. I received it two weeks later. I went to the altar. And two weeks later after I was water baptized, I received the Holy Ghost. But it's all in the name. And I, have to, I, I, don't, I, I didn't write it down, but there's a verse uh, somewhere in John. 
uh, and I can't remember how it goes, so it was something about that, uh, that they believe on him because they believed in his name. Believed in his name. See? Because you know what? They, uh, the, you know, during the book of Acts, Peter and John and Paul and all the disciples were out here preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. And they would beat them and scourge them and say, don't you be preaching in that name. Because they knew that name. They knew, they knew in their heart that name was truth. They knew that Jesus Christ was the, was the Son of God. They knew He was God manifested in the flesh. But they still chose to be arrogant and have pride and, 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 and to resist it. But I'm going to try to run real quick through just giving you a few examples of people that was water baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 8 and 16. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10 and 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because on the, that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. Listen to this. On the Gentiles was outpoured the Holy Ghost. How do we know they got the Holy Ghost? Because it says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's Bible. That's Bible. Then Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? In other words, Peter was saying, In other words, Peter was saying, can we refuse to baptize these people here now that they've received the Holy Ghost just like we did? We received it back here on the day of Pentecost. Y'all remember when we received it in the upper room? Y'all remember when the Holy Ghost poured out on us and we started speaking in tongues? Well, this, these Gentiles have done it too. We heard them. So now can, can we refuse to baptize them? No. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 19, 1 through 6. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to read every bit of this. One through six. No, yeah, I am. Yes, I am. 1 through 6 is the example given to us that if we have ever been water baptized any other way, that we still need to be water baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay, let me explain that a little bit better. When I was about 16 years old, I used to go to a Baptist church. I was raised up in a Baptist church. And in the Baptist church back then, in, in 1975... When I was 16, 16, 17, I was water baptized. I distinctly heard what the, what the pastor said. He said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But see, I didn't know then that was wrong. It's not that way. You have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. God's a perfect God. He's not going to say, okay, well, you know, if you just get baptized in, the name, in my titles, that's okay. You, at least you got baptized. That ain't going to count. It's not. So when I came to understand and know this truth in 1993, that was in the 70s. I lived all the rest of my life in the 70s and all through the 80s and the early part of the 90s. Thought that I was saved, but I wasn't. Hmm. Then when I came to that knowledge through Bible studies that somebody taught us, then it showed and God opened up my understanding. He just took my understanding and it showed to me, you've got to be baptized in my actual name. So then me and my wife were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So I've been baptized in the water twice. Only one of them really counted. I went down when I was 16 years old as a dry sinner, and I come up as a wet sinner. Because Jesus' name never was applied to my life. 
Jesus' blood was never applied to my life in that way. It's the actual name. I can't explain it. I don't have that depth of a knowledge about it because God is God and this is His plan. We're just the messengers to bring it to you and to anybody else. Now just listen to this. What I'm fixing to tell you, this is a bunch of disciples that was John's disciples. Now Paul was out teaching many years later after Paul had been converted and he's out preaching the Word of God. He meets up with some of John's, John the Baptist's disciples. Now listen to what he says. And it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth. So the Apollos, one of Paul's partners, was in Corinth. Paul was passed through the upper coast of Ephesus. He found certain disciples. So there's a country up there called Ephesus during this day and time. And, and he came up and met some disciples of John the Baptist. He said unto them, Have y'all received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And then that's, this is what they said to him. He said, we, ain't, we have not so much as heard that whether there be a Holy Ghost. They didn't know anything about it. See, so what you've got to understand is John the, disciple, John the Baptist had disciples. He sent them out to these other countries to preach about repentance and say that there's one coming after me that I'm not worthy to stoop down and loosen the latchets of his sandals. So these guys were out preaching for years. Didn't know that Jesus had come on the scene and died on the cross and resurrected. Didn't know that the Holy Ghost was poured out. But when Paul brought this to them, they said, we haven't heard that there be a Holy Ghost. So then I'm sure he explained what all took place. But then he said unto them, then what was you baptized? How were you baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized under John's baptism. That's the same thing as that when I was a 16-year-old boy, I was baptized under the, under the false doctrine baptism and didn't know it. But I was rebaptized in 93. So listen to what he says. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, all these other disciples heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues. That's what it says right here in the Word of God. They spoke in tongues. God never leaves one stone unturned. He never leaves anything hanging loose for you to, to, to decipher for your own way. He puts it down here cut and dried, black and white, in the Word. It said, this is what we're going to do. This is what's going to take for you to be saved. It's the actual name of Jesus Christ. That is truth. But over the last 2,000 plus years, there has been false doctrines that have continued to influence other people, leading them astray, leading them down a path of false doctrine and making them think that they're saved. Just like it also, just like there's too many churches that believe and denominations, and I'm just going to be frank with you. They're out here saying that you ask Christ into your heart. You accept Christ as your Savior. And, 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 and you, you, you take on a personal relationship with Him. Yeah, but that's not salvation. Because you know, first you do have to acknowledge that God, Jesus Christ, is the Savior. You have to acknowledge that and make, be cognizant of the fact that that is the man of God, that God Himself, that died on that cross. Yes, you have to accept that He is your Savior. 
But that is not your salvation plan. That does not stop right there and end it all. But there are too many churches that are believing that. They believe that if you sign a card, you join a church family, or you just ask Christ into your heart, that you're saved. And they also sometimes, some of them believe that you ask Christ into your heart and that He fills you with the Holy Spirit. They call it the Holy Spirit, which is nothing wrong with that, but the Bible states Holy Ghost. When He fills us, the human beings, it's called the Holy Ghost. It's the same thing, but, you know, let's use it the way the Word of God says. But when the, what their misconception is, is they think that when you ask Christ into your heart and you accept Him, that you're okay. That He fills you with the Spirit. But see, the Spirit is invisible. What proof do you have that you've received the Holy Spirit, as you say? What proof do you have? You have none. Did you speak in tongues? Did the Bible tell me you'll speak in tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost? So you show me in the Word of God where it says that you ask Christ for your Savior, you accept Him, and then you're saved. You show me where it says that you're filled with the Spirit and you, when, 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 when uh, you accept Him. You can't. You can't because that's part of the false doctrine that's not truth. But we do have our own free will to do what we want to do. And we can allow ourselves to continue to believe a lie. Mm. Or we can allow ourselves to listen to what the man of God is saying. Mm. Now I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect, not one bit. Mm. I make mistakes every day. But I pray every day, God, help me to be a better man. Mm. I never, and really never, I never really asked for this door to, to be open to me. To come to this nursing home and, and, and then and preach every month. But years ago when we came with a whole different team. We had other people that came. But now some of them have moved and some of them just they don't come anymore. But myself, Sister McDermott, and Sister Shaw. I think you've been on it most of the whole time, haven't you? With exception of a year or two. The three of us, no reflection on these folks because they weren't here at our church back when, this, when we started coming here. But we have come here pretty faithfully for this whole entire duration of six to eight years since we've been coming. And I'm not saying that to lift up ourselves. What I'm saying is this. I got upon, I got upon me and my daughters got upon this team for the nursing home years ago. Because I felt like we needed to be involved in something a little bit more than what we were doing. I mean, they were younger and more impressionable to do things that their daddy told them to do. Now they're grown and one daughter's married and living in Macon and in the ministry and all. And the other daughter, she's living at home, still going to church. But God opens doors for us sometimes that we never ask for. And what we have to do is be faithful and willing to step through those doors that he opens first. Because there's sometimes doors that we, we pray about that we want him to open for us. But we have to be willing to step through those doors. So am I a man of God? I don't know how that's considered to be a man of God per se. 
To me, a man of God is like a pastor or a, or a really strong preacher in a church, uh, somebody like that. I'm just a man willing to do what God sent me here to do. But what I am saying is this. I'm not going to come over here and preach something to you that I can't back up with the Word of God. Because my message today is about truth. Truth. Not just truth of, uh, well, should I drink that? Would it be okay if I drank a little whiskey or drank a beer? Would it be okay if I smoked this cigarette or something? Would it be okay if I uh, take those drugs? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. Those are things that your own conscience mind and your heart should tell you, hey, why would I just want to, want to desecrate my body? Why would I want to put that stuff into my body and ruin myself and bring on health complications? What I'm talking about is your salvation, your soul. What I'm talking about is what do you need to do to be right with God? Because there's a day coming that we're all going to close our eyes for our last time and we're going to go to the grave. We are. Unless the rapture takes place, we're going to the grave. And I need to know, you need to know, we all need to know, are we right with God when we close our eyes for the last time and take that last breath? If you have never been water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to be water baptized in the name of Jesus if you've been baptized before in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, that's not enough. It's not going to do. It's right here in the Word of God. It's the actual name that you have to go down in. Now, I know most of us are probably raised up in some other doctrine than what I have been preaching today. I, I, I was raised up in a false doctrine. And Paul wrote it. Paul was the man. I, I'm just going back and quoting from him. He said, if any, any man or any angel or anybody preaches something unto you than what you have received from us, let him be accursed. I don't want anybody to be accursed in this day and time per se, but they don't need to come in here and preach a false doctrine. We've been preaching this same message, this not in different formats. We've been preaching the same message of salvation since we've started coming to this, this nursing home. Because we love you. And we want you to be saved. And not saying that you're not. But we need to understand that truth is what we're here to teach and to share. And it's truth that's going to get us saved. You must be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You must receive the Holy Ghost. And when you do, you will speak in tongues. But you will never receive the Holy Ghost if you don't open your mouth and talk to God and praise Him. God cannot get a control of your tongue and give you the words to say in an unknown language if you don't talk. Mm. So that's what truth is. Acts 2.38 is the truth of salvation. I want you to like if y'all would just bow your heads and I want you to talk to the Lord in your own way. And we're going to say a prayer for you. And if there's anybody here that wants to be prayed for, I'd, I'll, my team will come out and pray with you if you just raise your hand. So let's bow our heads and, and, and go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, Lord, in this day, as I have come forth to give forth the message that you've sent me here with today, I came in here, Lord, in the spirit of love, not in the spirit to hurt someone's feelings. But I must share the truth. I must give and take and share what you've given us. And I ask you, God, that the words that I have said, no matter how strong or how harsh they could have been, whether they stepped on someone's toes in their heart for the doctrine they may have been raised in or whether it did not, I ask you, God, that you would let what I have said enter into these hearts and that it would take root and grow and that they would begin to understand, Lord, that they must be water baptized in your name, in Jesus' name. And they must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And then they must, for the duration of their life, live a holy and a godly separated life to the best of their ability to live for you. I know, Almighty God, one day I'll stand before you for the teachings that I have brought forth to people. And I want to stand before you clean. And my heart goes out to these people because I love them. If I didn't love them, Lord, I wouldn't be coming here for all these years. But we love these people with our hearts and souls. And we love them enough that we will share the truth. But as I said, they ask you, Lord, let this message take deep root in their heart and soul. That they may, oh God, open up their own Bibles and read Acts 2.38 to see that what I have shared with them is true. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.